Thank you, praise team. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good to see everybody. You are blessed. You are whole and you are complete in him who is the head, Jesus Christ. I want to do something real, real quick, if you'll indulge me. Um, as Brother Ken mentioned, uh, today is uh, Sister Jerry's birthday. And uh, since uh, we are not having uh, youth ministry today, um, just wanted to take a minute and say thank you to uh, Sister Jerry, who has uh, in some shape, form or fashion been uh, ministering and serving young people and children for over 20 years um, in this church and in other places. And so uh, we thank God for you. Uh, We thank you for your contribution to the youth ministry, to Children's Church, and uh, wherever your hands can find that you've put them to uh, over the decades, um, we thank God for you. We appreciate you, and we love you. Um, We have some cupcakes back in the youth room, and so if you're a a young person, um, not if you consider yourself a young person, but you're actually a... um, a teenage type. Uh, we've got some cupcakes in the youth room. So after assembly this morning, uh, feel free to stop by the youth room and uh, grab a cupcake in honor of uh, Sister Jerry's birthday. And I believe the uh, hostesses have cookies as well. Uh, so um, uh, ev- everyone, adult and young alike, should be able to get their sugar fix um, this, this morning. So Sister Jerry, we thank God uh, for you. Well, um, yes, absolutely. 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 Praise God. Well, we're going to um, hop into the word. um, Genesis uh, chapter three. Verse one. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Um, Most of us know the account. Um, They ate, um, and um, and then it says in verse 7 that uh, both of their eyes were opened, and they realized that they were naked. Now, before this... um, the scripture tells us that uh, God created um, God created them and they were naked and felt uh, no shame. Um, but at this point in verse 7, uh, they did what God told them not to do. Um, they realized the eyes of both of them were open. They realized um, that they were naked. When it says the, the eyes of both of them were open, uh, their, 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 their conscience was open. That's where, that's, that's where sin consciousness came into the picture. Um, And that sin consciousness translated to their offspring, to their offspring, and so on and so on. And so Romans would come back and tell us that um, because man sinned, because Adam sinned, sin spread to all men because all men sinned. Um, Not just the action of sin or the condition of sin, but also that sin uh, consciousness. And so the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. They made coverings for themselves. And then it goes on um, and God uh, talks to them about the results of what just happened. And then we pick up in uh, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. 
So verse 7, we're told that they sowed with their own hands coverings for themselves. In verse 21, we're told that God came back and clothed them properly for the time being. The message today is who dressed you? Who dressed you? Now, if you've ever been a little kid and you've come to church, you've gone to a party or gone to school and you had somebody ask you, who, who, who dressed you? Who dressed you today? That's usually not a term of endearment. There's usually something wrong with the way you look. And they don't want to tell you flat out that you don't look right. So they said, who dressed you today? Some uh, dads, <clears throat> me excluded, uh, when they have little kids and mom is out and the kid shows up to church, some people may ask the kid, who did your hair today? Because they just don't look right. Who, who dressed you today? Your daddy must have dressed you today. Your daddy must have did your hair today. Some husbands who have problems with wardrobe and matching things and looking put together, sometimes they have to reluctantly admit that their wife dressed them. Now, we don't tell anybody that your wife dressed you. And hopefully your wife doesn't walk around telling people that I dressed him. Now, my wife did not dress me this morning. Hopefully I look somewhat presentable. But um, and some people, some little kids find themselves in a position, well, mommy, and, mommy nor daddy dressed me today. I dress myself. And so the question today is, who dressed you? Now, Adam and Eve, they attempted to clothe themselves with the works of their own hands. And so what we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 and verse 21, it's not only there's a natural surface part to it, but there's also a prophetic part to it. We see the introduction of clothes in Genesis chapter 3. We see the introduction of a lot of things in the book of Genesis. And so when we talk about God's original intent, um, we see a lot of things in Genesis as to what God originally wanted uh, when he created um, the heavens and the earth. But we see the introduction of clothing in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Um, and clothing, uh, for the most part, is for other people. Uh, we wear clothes on the natural, usually for other people. That's why when you get home, you take off your clothes, you put on your sweatpants, your T-shirt, and you walk around and you don't care what anybody thinks about you. You know, you go to bed, you put on your bed clothes or whatever you put on. Um, but if somebody comes knocking at the door, you, you put on clothes for other people. Um, and uh, if there was no one else on the planet but you, you would probably not do as much shopping as you do. You'd probably not be thinking about how you look or your appearance. Usually your appearance is for other people. The reason that 
uh, we don't come, we don't come to church or we don't walk around uh, butt naked like Adam and Eve did. It's not because that there was anything wrong with them, with, 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 with them being naked, but because the conscience of men had a problem with that. God had us wear clothes. Okay? That's, but that's just because of sin conscience. That's why um, um, men, uh, women and men, right, you may want to be conscious as believers about what you wear. It's not law. It's not sin. It's just that sometimes the way you look, the way you present yourself uh, could affect people's ability to receive from you. And so it's not about trying to please man. It's trying to create the best environment possible for people to receive from you. Or sometimes we create an environment for people to be deterred by us. Now, uh, you know, there's a balance there. I don't I don't I don't live to please people. Uh, but as much as much as I can, uh, you know, I will I will do within within reason to uh, create create an environment where people are able to receive. OK, um, so but that is that is that is on the surface level. Um, but there's also a prophetic thing going on here. And here's the prophetic thing that Adam and Eve attempted to clothe themselves with their own works. This is the work of my hands, and I'm going to clothe myself with my works. It was never God's intent for you to be clothed in your own works. Now, before Adam and Eve sinned, they were clothed with the glory of God. They were clothed with the presence of God. Although they were physically naked, spiritually, and we are spirits, we have a soul, we live in a body. Spiritually, they were clothed with the glory of God. They were clothed in the presence of God. So there was no sin consciousness. There, there, there was no consciousness of what, I, of what I did and didn't look like. They were clothed with the glory in the presence of God. But when they sinned, they lost that. They lost the clothing of the presence of God. They lost the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the clothing of the, of, of the glory of God on them when they sinned. And so now they say, I'm naked. They say, I, I seek to be clothed now. I realize that I'm unclothed and I want to be clothed. Something's not right here. And so they went and they attempted to uh, create clothing for themselves. Then God has to come back and say, and he said it with his actions, what you created here, the work that you did is not good enough. Man's works are not good enough. I must clothe you. I need to clothe you. I need to make sure that you're taken care of. And so it was God's intent originally that man always be clothed by him. That God always be our source, that God always be our provision, that we always look to God. We always trust God for whatever we need. Now, many times people try to take care of themselves and God would say, let me take care of you. And so they attempted by the works of their hands to 
to clothe themselves. And God said, I want to clothe you. I want to take care of you. And so there is a there is a prophetic implication here that God never intended for man to be clothed by his own works. He intended man to be clothed in his glory, in his presence, and be clothed by the work that God did. Now, the work that God did, he did in Christ. He did a completed work in Christ. And so, if we're going to be clothed by a work, we need to be clothed by the work that God did in Christ. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized, the, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. But to the street, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out in the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few were chosen. So the king comes in and he sees a, a man who's not clothed in the proper garments. Now, a lot of churches have used this scripture to say, what are you doing coming in church knowing what you did last week? Come on. You know you were shucking and jiving before you came into church. How, why, why, why are you in here? Some people have used this passage of scripture to say, those that get into heaven are those who have done good works, those who have done good deeds. The clothes that the person should have been wearing in this scenario is the good things that they've been doing. Let's turn to, let's hold our finger there and let's turn to Revelation chapter 7. Starting in verse 13. Then one of the elders asked me, these people in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of great tribulation. 
They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Why are their robes white? Because they have been washed. What has washed the robes? The blood, the blood, the blood. So the proper garments are garments that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Turn to Revelation chapter 16 in verse 15. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and, look, keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Now, flip over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have what? Have clothed yourselves with Christ. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in him. So the clothes that need to be worn is identity with Christ. The clothes that need to be worn is receiving Christ, believing on him, receiving Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Being clothed with him. The proper garments are not the works of your hands. The proper garments are not what you can do in your own strength. The proper garments are faith in, trust in, reliance upon the anointed redeemer. He is the one who clothes us. He is the one who washes us, who makes us righteous. Man's attempt at clothing himself was not received by God. Now, who dressed you? Who dressed you? When people get dressed, they're getting ready for the day. They're getting ready to go out and do the things that need to be done. And so the question of who dressed you is, who got you ready to go out and to rule and to reign in the earth? Who qualifies you to go out and rule and reign in the earth? Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. In the, year of the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. So God is holy. The Lord is holy. Verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah says, woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Something happens when you're walking in the light. Something happens when you're in the presence of God that sometimes you may see your, your um, deficiencies. And uh, God revealed this to John, and we read this in John, First uh, John chapter 1. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, um, we have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. It's important to understand this. Because as you walk in the light, there are certain things that are going to get exposed. You're going to see things in yourself that you don't like. You're going to see things that don't belong. And the first thing for the flesh is that you're walking in the light and you're getting closer to God. The fact that you're seeing more stuff that needs to change in your life should be indicative that you're walking in the light. Because the light exposes. If you're walking in darkness, you don't see things. The fact that you're seeing things says that you are in the light. The fact that you are, Lord, I know, I know, I need to quit saying that. I always say that. I need to quit saying that. I know that's wrong. Help me, Lord. Lord, I know I need to be more patient. I need to be more kind. I need to walk in love. I know I lose my temper. I get upset. Oh, Lord, I lost my temper again. Oh, God, what am, I'm, I'm, I'm ruined here, Lord. I'm, I'm ruined. Lord, I went left. You told me to go right. I see it now. This happens in the lives of believers. And so what tends to take place is that condemnation now comes in. I feel bad about this or that. Now, Romans 8, 1 tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who were in Christ Jesus. But your flesh, working with the devil, would like to bring that condemnation back on you. But we're told that there is now no condemnation for those who were in him. Now, those who are outside of him still have condemnation on them. But those who are in him, there is therefore now no condemnation. 
So as you're walking in the light, don't be surprised if you start to see things in yourself that need to change. And then by the time you get mature in that area, you see something else. And then by the time that you get mature in that area, you see something else. And you say, does this ever stop? Do I, do, I, do I ever reach a point of perfection? Here's the thing. You've already reached perfection in him positionally. When you received Christ, you were changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That phrase is not just for the rapture. It is the instantaneous thing that happens in the spirit of a believer when they receive Christ. In the moment, you're changed. Positionally, you are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. You are translated. You are moved in position immediately. That is your position with God. That is your position with Christ. You are perfect, complete in him, lacking nothing. Functionally, You're growing. You're learning. You're understanding what happened when you believed. You're understanding what you took, what what took place when you put your faith in Christ. So positionally, you're perfect. Functionally, you don't always get it right. And so God would say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, meaning respect and awe. Here is why I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because I am at work in you, both to will and to do according to my good pleasure. So God tells us in Philippians, work out your salvation. And then the next verse, he says, because it is I who's at work in you, both to will and to do according. So God is working his will in you. Functionally, you need some work. Positionally, you are perfect. So as you walk in the light as he is in the light, don't be surprised if you see things that shouldn't be there. Some people may see lack that shouldn't be there, and they feel bad because they are not, or they feel like they are not where they need to be financially, and they feel condemned about that. Some people look at uh, their uh, physical situation, and they feel lacking there, and they feel bad because uh, they feel like they are not where where they should be. Some people have a marital situation and they feel like their marriage is not where it should be and uh, they feel deficient in that area. There are tons of areas that people feel, and there's the word feel, right. right? Feel deficient in, lacking in. And you start to see these things as you walk in the light. So for me to just tell you 
if you walk in the light as he is in the light and just stop there, that could be dangerous. Because I didn't tell you what's going to happen when you start walking in the light. What happens when you start walking in the light is that you start to see things that you didn't see before you received Christ. Before Christ, there was no struggle. You went to the club. You was all in. Hey, guys, here I am. Ladies, here I am. You didn't struggle with cheating. You didn't struggle with stealing. Because there was no light. Now that the light comes in, you find a struggle. Why is that? Because the light exposes. And so it was important for God to reveal to John in 1 John, as you walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And understand this, that as you're seeing what you're seeing, that the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing what you're seeing. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed what you're seeing. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed what you're seeing. You see this, you see impatience in you. I need to be more patient. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. You start to see the lack of those things, and you're working on it. You're allowing God to, to, work, to work through you on that functionally, understanding positionally you're perfect. But functionally... You're working on something. You're allowing God to work in you to to become who you already are, to align with who God has already made you to be. So you're seeing these things. And so it was important for him to tell you that as you walk in the light, the blood cleanses you of all sin because you're going to see some stuff. And you need to know that the blood cleansed that the blood has cleansed that the blood has cleansed that not condemnation. But the blood has cleansed that. Now, God will show you things where you need to make adjustments. And so you make the adjustment. Well, Brian, what if I make the adjustment and I fail? Well, then you get back up. A righteous man may fall six times, but he gets up a seventh time. Right. You continue to make the adjustment, understanding that God gives you as many at bats as you need to hit a home run. Because of your faith in Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, it's a completely different situation. But in Christ, God gives you as many at-bats as you need to hit a home run. And so it's important that although you should make adjustments and corrections where you need to make adjustments and corrections, that you don't allow yourself to be ruled by condemnation. Because... You have now been clothed in Christ. So Isaiah chapter six, verse five, he says, he says, woe to me. I'm ruined. I'm seeing this stuff. The glory of God is (coughs) seraphim and, you know, smoke and I see that I'm not aligned with what I'm looking at. Now, some people, Adam and Eve. They hide themselves. They run away. They run away from the presence of God because they see they see within themselves that uh, their actions aren't fully aligned with who they are in Christ. And so they run away. 
Um, they don't want to come to church. Um, but that is the exact opposite of what you should do. When you miss the mark and something God tells you to do, you run to God. You don't run away from God. Adam and Eve, they hid themselves. They felt exposed. They felt naked. And so they hid themselves. We see Isaiah dealing with being tempted with the same thing. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Verse 6, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away. What took away the guilt? It was the hot coal that took away the guilt. Notice that that particular scripture does not say you got everything right. And so your guilt is taken away. Notice that that particular scripture says that the coal touched his mouth. And then he said, now your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is taken away. The sin is atoned for not because of what you did, but because of what God did. Then, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Look at the confidence now. Look at the confidence. Here I am, Lord. I'm all good. I'm all good. You touch me. You touch me. I'm all good now. Send me. Why? Because of the work that God did. This isn't an uh, assembly of fig leaves anymore. Who dressed you? What are you relying upon? Are you relying upon your own works to get you approval with God? Or are you relying on the finished work, the atoning work, the prophetic work that we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, of the covering of, of, of God through Christ? He was ready. The confidence that gets built because you understand who you are in Christ. You understand the finished work. You understand what God has done. And you understand who God made you to be. The confidence that comes. If I preach guilt and condemnation because of your functional imperfections, no confidence comes from that. People shy away. They go away. But if I preach the finished work of Christ, if I preach the atoning work of Christ, look at the confidence. Lord, I'm ready to go out and do what you've called me to do and be who you've called me to be. That's the confidence that comes. There's confidence in understanding who dressed you. Daddy dressed me. Daddy dressed me. I have no problem saying daddy dressed me. You might not want to see my attempt at dressing myself. 
It may look like some fig leaves. But if I say, Daddy dressed me, Daddy got me ready, Daddy took care of it, then I'm all good. Then I'm all good. Now, when Adam sinned, the glory was lost. The presence was gone. And we see Adam and Eve attempt to cover themselves. And today, we see people attempt to cover themselves with all sorts of things. When Adam and Eve sinned, health was lost. Abundance was lost. Um, Life was lost. And so people now say, I don't have that. I need to trust in something else. I need to rely on something else to, to get that back. And so some people uh, turn to all sorts of systems to get that back, right? Um, so some people, when we ask, who dressed you? Some people say, my psychologist dressed me. My education dressed me. Okay, because unredeemed, unregenerated man approaches the educational system out there for wisdom. They look for wisdom in it. Now, we're told that Christ Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. But they don't have that. They don't receive that. So they rely upon a system to get them wisdom because they don't have the glory anymore. The glory Christ Jesus has made unto you wisdom. Now, the couple of examples I'm about to give in the next few minutes, please don't get me wrong. Please don't uh, think I'm saying something that I'm not. Okay? Um, There is nothing wrong with you allowing God to bless you through vessels and resources. Okay? Nothing wrong at all. God would say, just don't trust in them. You trust me. You allow me to flow through whatever whatever vessels I want to flow through to bring you the blessing, to bring you the restoration. But you keep your eyes fixed on me. You don't trust in have things. Don't trust things. Okay, nothing wrong with having things. Just don't trust them. You trust in God who is able to give you all things. But unredeemed man now trust the educational system to give them what they lost in the garden. They lost wisdom because they lost the glory of God. Now they trust in that system instead of Christ Jesus has been made unto you wisdom. Now, um, I've got an education, um, and I spent a lot of time in school. Um, but I don't exalt my education, nor do I go around telling people that you need an education to succeed. That was a tool that God used for a lot of things in my life. But education does not cover me. I don't rely upon my education, although I have an education. And if that's a pursuit that God has put in your heart, then you should pursue that. But you don't pursue it because everybody else is doing it. You do what God has called you to do. Some people say, um, my job dressed me. My job dressed me. 
Um, the glory of financial abundance. I look to my job. That's what, that's what dresses me. If I lose my job, I feel naked. I feel uncovered like Adam and Eve. So then I try to fix something, and I, now I trust in my job. To Now, uh, God's covering is my God to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. That's, that's, that's God's covering. Now, if he uses a job, investments, whatever, so be it. But your covering is in Christ. Because of him, all my needs are met. I've got more than enough to do what I need to do. Some people, uh, uh, they say, uh, uh, my doctor dressed me. If it wasn't for my doctor, there is absolutely no way that uh, I could have, you know, got free of this sickness. So they say, my doctor dressed me. Okay, they give their doctor the glory. They don't give God the glory. They don't say, my God healed me by the stripes of Jesus Christ. I'm healed. God may have used the doctor. He may have used the medicine. He may have used. But you never, ever get focused on the medicine. You never get focused on the doctor. You always keep your focus on your wardrobe consultant. Jesus, he is my covering. You keep your eyes fixed on God. And so it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you do or don't go to a doctor, whether you do or don't have investments, whether you do or don't get an education, whatever God wants to use as a vessel to get you to where he wants you to be, so be it. So be it. But I will not say that my financial advisor dressed me because my God has dressed me. My God has covered me. It is unredeemed man that put their faith. Romans tell, tells us they worshiped the created thing rather than the creator. They worshiped the created thing rather than the creator. Whenever people worship the healthcare system, they worship the financial system. They worship the entertainment system. They worship the um, the financial, whatever system, now they're worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. And so we want to make sure that we've been dressed and clothed and we find ourselves in Christ. God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. My protection. He is my protection. He shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways and bear me up, lest I even dash my foot against a stone. He is my protection. Now, some people say, my locks dressed me. My alarm dressed me. My firearms dressed me. Now, again, nothing wrong with any of those. I've got all three. But my faith, my reliance is not on any of those things. My firearm is not the one who dresses me with protection. God is the one that dresses me with protection. If he chooses to use a firearm as a vessel. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. You know, in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel went to war, 
They had skilled swordsmen, but they were only skilled when that sword was in the hand of someone who God was wielding the sword through their hand. So don't get focused on the vessel. If you have the vessel, great. But that's not what clothes you. If I forget to lock my car door, I'm not going to panic because my protection was never in my lock to begin with. My protection comes from the one who clothes me. And that is Christ. If I haven't had a physical in 10 years, I'm not going to panic because my clothes does not come from my doctor. My clothing comes from my my health wardrobe. Comes from the one who clothes me. My retirement does not dress me. My 401k does not dress me. So unredeemed man, they look because of what happened in the garden. They look at those systems to cover them, to clothe them, to bring their they're, they're looking for that glory again because because it was lost. And so they're looking for it and they look for it in in all the systems that are in the earth. But we are of a system called kingdom. And so, again, please do not hear me wrong. I am by no means saying that God will not, has not, and won't continue to use different things, different situations, different entities, different people, different vessels to get you blessings. I'm I'm not not saying that. The message this morning is where is your trust? Where is your focus? Where is your attention? What are you what are you relying on? When you rely on God to dress you, to keep you, to be your provision, to be your protection, to be your health, to be your mental sanity, to be your wisdom, to be your joy. You know, there is a massive entertainment system in the earth. Why? People are looking for joy. They're looking for joy, and they use entertainment as a substitution for joy. Why? They're looking to get back the joy that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. They were uncovered. The joy was removed. Now I got to get that joy back. I don't want to look to Christ. I will look and exalt entertainment, and so I'll fill my life with entertainment so that I can be happy, and there are all sorts of entertainment out there. You have some people who allow God to use entertainment solely for what it is on the surface, and that is, you know, some nice fun every now and then. But then for some people, they worship the created thing rather than the creator, and they exalt the entertainment as God, and they can't get by without it. They've got to have it. They fill their lives with entertainment so that they don't have to think about the problems in their life. That's the disconnect right there. And that's just not with entertainment. That's with education. I mean, my goodness. The way people have turned the educational system into a god. To worship it. To allow it to drive every decision. That was not God's intent. Now, I think it's. 
And God thinks it's great that scientists and educators are discovering the things that God put in the earth. But science should be a validation of what God did, not God. Did I, did I say that? I want to make sure that came out correctly. Science should not be your God. Science should be a validation of what God already put in the earth. And so your discovery of those processes and of those elements and of those things that God put in the earth, that's great. So go learn about science. Go learn about the things God put in the earth. Go learn about math and how different things and math uh, principles and concepts work together. That's, that's helpful. That's beneficial. That has some benefit. Paul says godly exercise has some benefit. <clears throat> Did I say godly exercise? God, Paul said physical exercise has some benefit. But godliness has benefit for all things, all times, and all occasions. So exercise. If that's what God's put on your heart, there will be some benefit for you exercising. There is benefit there. And if God tells you to exercise, please, by all means, exercise. But don't exalt exercise. Don't say exercise is the one that clothed me with health. When you lose that 20 pounds, don't exalt your diet. Don't exalt your personal trainer. Don't exalt your exercise. You say, God is the one who clothed me with this physical health. Now, he may have used exercise. He may have used diet. He may have used a personal trainer. There's nothing wrong with those things, but don't exalt them. Don't fix your mouth to say, my personal trainer dressed me. My exercise dressed me. My diet dressed me. No, you say, God dress me with physical health. God dress me with being in shape. And if God puts that on your heart, exercise, diet, if, if that's something that's in your heart to do, then follow the spirit. Follow after peace. But if God says, you make your declaration. I'm a slim trim, 180 pounds. I'm a slim trim, 140, whatever, whatever it is. I'm a slim trim, 200 pounds, whatever it is. What did God tell you to do concerning that? If you follow God and you follow after peace, no matter what vessel he uses to bring it about or get it done, you'll always keep your eyes focused on him. You'll allow him to be your source, him to be your covering, him to take care of you, him to make sure that you get to the place where you need to be. Hallelujah. Well, I think we're done for today. And um, God is God has done great things. God has brought us out. And uh, I'm glad that um, it's not all up to me. I'm glad that functionally I don't have to have everything together and perfect right now. Now. God would say that is not an excuse to be lazy, to just go out and sin, to just go out and do, you know, let it all hang out. God would say that we've been saved unto good works, that we should serve one another and love one another and and honor God and do these things. Works are a good thing. okay? just because we preach grace 
does not mean that there's no place for works. Just make sure works has its proper place. It's after you realize who you are. It's after righteousness. It is saved unto good works. And works are your way of ruling and reigning in the earth practically. The fruit that you bear, bearing good fruit. It's not salvation. It's not righteousness. But it's you ruling and reigning in the earth. So do good works. Stir one another up to good works. There's nothing wrong with works. There's something right with works. But allow God to be your perfection. Allow God to make you strong. Allow yourself to be clothed with the armor of God and always keep him between you and situations. Always keep his word between you and situations. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we are done. Brother Ken, is there are there any final? Okay. Well, I guess I am uh, doing the blessing. Uh, Pastor, anything that you have? All right. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we just declare that it's cemented in our hearts and in our minds that we are clothed in Christ, uh, that he has become our provision in every area. And so uh, we exalt him. We exalt you. We exalt you and him together, Father, as our source, as our provisions, our exceeding great supply. Father, I I just speak a blessing onto your family, your um, your sons and your daughters. Father, I just speak life unto them. Father, I speak grace and peace multiplied to them. And as they leave this building, they leave here clothed in Christ as they go through this week, they're clothed. In Christ, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. All their needs are met. They have more than enough to do what you call them to do, Father. They are healthy, whole, full of life, full of strength, and full of ability because they are clothed in Christ. Thank you, Father. You are dismissed.